Good morning, church. Richard, thank you, brother. Praise team, thank you guys for sharing your talent and encouraging us there in song. As uh, Trent and Ryan shared with us last week, our theme for this whole year is called Follow Me. And uh, when you look at the number of times, I think sometimes it's like 70 times that it's said about Jesus telling other people, follow me in the New Testament. And what does that really mean? Why would you have a theme that, simple two words, but why would you have a theme about that for a whole year? Well, uh, I, I think there are a number of reasons here. We're going to kind of jump into this pretty quick. But one of, the very, uh, one of the very things that happens, especially in America, is that uh, we have developed a ton of religious people. In a recent survey, four out of five people in America say they're Christian, but uh, uh, half that number have no affiliation or hook into any Christian community. So there is a whole religious world that says that we're following Jesus that aren't necessarily following Jesus like disciples follow Jesus in the New Testament. And now we have to ask our own selves this kind of question. We have to look and say, look, uh, uh, is having religious pleasure, coming to a place where I enjoy something, is that really being a disciple of Christ? Is that really what he calls us to? Does he call, does he call us to an American gospel that says if you uh, do things God's way, you're going to be prosperous and do all those kind of things? I hear that message all the time. But frankly, when you look in the Bible, in the New Testament, that is not the message of God. So what does it really mean to follow? Well, here's my, my, my first slide here. It's really about a kind of an overall thing of this theme for the whole year. And then we're going to come back and break down uh, that uh, very first verse. Peter is the guy I selected to look at for just a moment to kind of give us an idea of this overall thing. In Mark chapter 1, Peter's one of those guys that are called to be a fisher of men. It's an initial call. Uh, he's, uh, he's met Jesus. He understands some things about him. And then Jesus calls him uh, out of this to drop your nets and follow him. There's that initial call of following Jesus that has to happen. Then there's this in Mark chapter 8. Uh, you have this ex, uh, uh, situation where Peter's told again about following. He says, then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. Take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to uh, save his life will lose it. And on and on he goes about the cost of discipleship. So now all of a sudden in the middle of their journey, Jesus is saying again to the disciples, follow me. Now this is interesting because right at the very end, after the resurrection of Jesus, in the book of John, in chapter 21, you find this in verse verse, uh, 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 19. Peter has just been told by Jesus, Would you, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. And Peter says, Verily, truly I tell you, or Jesus says, Verily, truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted to, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him. This was the one who leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? This is John. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, 
If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. He tells him at the beginning of this call, follow me. In the middle of it, you're still growing and learning to follow me. And even after the resurrection, he says, they're going to lead you. They're going to tie your hands and, and bind you. And you're going, to be, you're going to be walked out to your death. And Jesus says, you won't have any control over that. But here's what you do have control over. What? Follow what? Say it with me. Follow me. Say it with me one more time. Follow me. At the beginning, in the middle of the growth of your, their journey, and even at the end, after the resurrection of Jesus, he's still saying, follow me. He never quits saying it. It's not something you did one time in baptism that says, I'm done. I've initiated a relationship. It's over. No. It's follow me all the way to the end. That's why we need this theme. That's why we need the lessons out of a lot of passages because there's so much to living the life of a disciple where we keep learning what the words Jesus said, follow me, really mean. Okay, before today, let's back up and let's look at just this one section in Mark chapter 1. Okay? Let's, read, let's, uh, let's go back and read that little section. I'm, going, I'm starting in verse, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 is where I'm starting. After John was put in prison. Okay, this is important. You get it? Because this gives us a time frame. So that means Jesus has already been to John. John's already baptized him. Jesus has already been led into the wilderness. He's already overcome those temptations. He's already been with some of the disciples. And now John's already in prison. So there's a time frame here that's going to be important. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. All right, This is the beginning of the Galilean ministry. He's already, first he was with uh, John, when John was calling people out of Jerusalem, now he's in Galilee. He was in Jordan. Now he's in Galilee. And he's proclaiming, the Bible says he's proclaiming, that's the word for preaching, the identity of Jesus. Part of his identity that we don't think about sometimes is him as a proclaimer. And here's what he's proclaiming, the good news of God. So here's, here's the, uh, well, let me read the rest of the text and we'll, we'll talk about it. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake. For they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. All right, let's just talk about this section for a little bit. First, let's look. I want to look at the message. Here is the message. Guys, let's go to the next slide for me, please. He says, hear the message. There's one that's proclaiming this message. It's Jesus. And Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says that this book was written. Mark's telling you about the gospel that, that Jesus is proclaiming. He's preaching a good news. Now, he's preaching it in a time that needs to be preached. It says the time has come. 
He is the fulfillment of everything that had been talked about early on. Now it's happening. This is the beginning of the last days. This is the time of fulfillment. This is the right time for this message. And Jesus is the right one for it. He is the Son of God. He's going to preach and teach as one who has authority. It's not that they hadn't been hearing messages about the kingdom of God. The Jews have been hearing that a long time. They've been hearing things talked about, something's going to happen down the road. But now all of a sudden he says the time, it's not down the road, it's what? It's right here, it's near. It's close. That's important. It's time. And he says the kingdom of God has come near. What does he mean by that? The kingdom has come near. Whenever you see the word kingdom, I want you to think of the word reign. Now, I'm not talking about what you had last week come out of the sky. Got it? I'm talking about what rules and reigns in your heart. Because this is the good news. of This is the kingdom that's coming into the hearts of men who are going to all of a sudden take the gospel to the whole world. So he's saying the kingdom is near. It's going to reign. It's going to reign in the hearts of men. And how's that going to happen? Because they're preaching the good news that's going to all of a sudden show that he is the king of men's lives and souls and eternity. He is it. Jesus is the one. So he says, look, the kingdom is near. The kingdom of God has come near or it's being fulfilled or it's close. And he tells them to do this. Repent and believe. Jesus' gospel and his message is the same one we have for we're extending the message of Jesus ourselves as his body. And the message is to repent and to believe. Now, let's first let's deal with this word repent. Repent is the idea of turning away from something. It literally means about face. I'm walking this way and I repent. So my direction totally changes from where I'm walking a whole different direction now and towards something different. You have to turn from something. Believe is you turn to something. So when he says repent and believe, he's saying turn from something. That's that sinfulness that, 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 that's, that's taking us to rebellion against God. And you turn to Jesus Christ. You turn to the kingdom of God. And then this turning, this belief is not a mental consent. This is not me raising my hand saying, I agree mentally that Jesus is the Son of God. That is not conversion. That is not discipleship. That might be a part of where a person is in their heart and mind. But this belief is an action that turns and trusts the grace of God for what He can do for our life. Repent and believe. And if you don't look, if you don't believe that, you look at the demands He made on the disciples when they followed Him. And you've got your belief. You're learning to trust Him. Your actions are different. You've turned from something. And you've turned to someone. Faith in Jesus Christ. It's the identity of who He is. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And whoever believes in Him, that's who has eternal life. It's that same belief there. It's an action in our hearts and minds, it's a turning our lives over to the rule and reign of God. 
Well, not only are we told, and they're told to hear his message, we must follow his lead. Look what he says here to these people. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Now, they're casting nets out. They're fishermen. Some of you guys know what that's like. Some of you are better than others. Some of you talk better than others about what you fish, right? Uh, I personally like the guy. I, I personally like, I'm not great. I'm not a fisherman. I don't go fishing much anymore. I mean, I, I did that as a kid. I don't really fish. But I, I love people who do, and I love people who fry it up. And you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> so I, I appreciate that. Well, they're, they're fishermen. This is their livelihood. Al, you did that for a living when in your young days. You know how difficult that is. Now, did that, were they just out there in a boat and some stranger walked by and said, Hey, look, look y'all follow me. And they said, Hey, let's, we, we're, getting, we're getting rid of everything in life following you. That's not how it happened. The book of John tells you that Peter had already been introduced to Jesus. And matter of fact, had even asked him about where you go. And Jesus said, Come spend the day with me. And Peter goes and spends the day and even acknowledges something about, I think he's the Messiah. So that's already happened in Peter and, and, and uh, his life. And these guys are already familiar with who he is, yet they still haven't dropped everything and followed him yet. Now, some of us are like that in this very room. You've had an introduction to who Jesus is. Someone has said he's the Messiah. You actually looked and witnessed and found out some things, and it's intrigued you, and you've had some interest. And you've been sitting on a pew, but you have not made the decision to drop your nets and follow Jesus. That's always in every audience. You came in here because it helps your, it helps your marriage because your wife was on you about getting up and going to church. You came here as a kid because your parents make you. You came here because it helped you get sober. But you hadn't yet made that drop net kind of decision. So they drop their nets and they follow him. The other guys, they leave their dad in the boat with the hired help, which must have been a pretty good business because well enough to hire other people, you know. And they follow him. Here's our problem sometimes. And being so removed from their culture and so removed from what Jesus called them to, I think it's hard for us to understand. That to follow his lead, well, it's like this. In our culture, the message is preached that if you will follow Jesus, your, your vocation will get better. Your business will improve. Your family will do better. They dropped their nets and it made an indent in their income. They lost their vocation. And they left their dad. And Jesus even demands later on, you've got to follow me. And that might mean hating your mom and brother and sister and, and, and all because you've got to have me first. I have to reign in your life. Following Jesus as a true disciple does not always improve your circumstances. As a matter of fact, most times it makes it much more difficult. And yet in America, our preaching, our, the gospel of America is be a believer 
and somehow or another, then everything gets better in your life. That's just not the message of Jesus. So we try to follow without dropping our nets. We try to hang on to all the good things we have in life and still follow. You ever drug a net behind you? When you try to follow Jesus, dragging your nets, they get hung up on everything you walk by. You try to follow him, it's hung, your nets get hung up on the tradition of your church. And you're yanking and pulling and it's uncomfortable and, and you don't want to let go because there's some warmth there, there's some stability there. But I'm, I'm going to tell you, nets make sorry blankets. And they don't keep you very warm. Some of us are draw that we're, we're hanging on to those nets and we're dragging them along, and they're 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 hanging on uh, they're hanging on our tradition, they're hanging on our past sins, they're hanging on our guilt that we can't get rid of, they're hanging on our shame, they're hanging on the legalism we were taught that if we do enough right, we'll be right. Their nets are getting hung on everything in the world. Our past is being drugged along with. No wonder we can't keep up with Jesus. You got to drop the nets. That means the past has got to be let go. That means you've got to be willing to make it uncomfortable in your family. It may cost you some relationships, but you and I, to be disciples, must drop the nets. We must drop the nets. And here's why. Otherwise, we become like the folks that struggled in Hebrews. We're dragging a weight around that we need to lay aside. And we're getting entangled again in sin that keeps us from being who Jesus wants us to be. It's a drop net decision. And then he says you must fulfill his mission. The mission... is to take this good news to every man in his own language that he might find hope in Jesus Christ. Jesus, as he trained these disciples, he said, I will make you fishers of men. He's going to transform you and change you to accomplish the mission that he wants accomplished. So when he gets ready to leave, he tells them in Matthew that you're to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Right? Remember he says you're going to go make disciples of every nation. Literally says every ethnic group. Everybody. And he even illustrates that as he starts the church. Because he does so with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they spoke in tongues and everybody heard what? In their own Language And at the end in Revelation, when they're all gathered around the throne giving glory to God, and they're praising God from every nation and every tongue and in every language, he starts with the end in mind to give us the goal of the mission. But you know what empowered that mission? The Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was conceived by the Spirit anointed by the Spirit at His baptism, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, taught by the Spirit. He's, Jesus is quoting the words that the Spirit wrote down 
And he leaves us with the Spirit and tells the disciples, wait on him. And then he empowers the beginning of the church. And so all his giftedness and movement and energy, the Holy Spirit is to empower his people, God's people, to accomplish the mission. We've missed out on what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. His purpose is not to do things out of, out of this nature that we say, wow, look at the miraculous things that happen. The Holy Spirit is to say we are God's people. It's God, it's heaven touching earth inside man, moving him to accomplish the mission of God. Fulfill his mission. You and I cannot fulfill the mission of God without the Holy Spirit of God. If we think we can do that by our own planning and our own strategy and the wisdom of men, then we've already written our own suicide note. Because a church without the life that comes from the Holy Spirit is a church destined to die. Just read Acts with a little bit new eyes, if you would, and watch how God fulfills His mission. So to follow His lead and to fulfill His mission is going to take us some places we might not really want to go. You see, to follow the lead of Jesus is to go where He went. That means when we follow Him, it leads us to the poor of our community. It leads us to the hungry in our community. It leads us to the lepers. It leads us to the prostitutes. It leads us to the tax collectors. It leads us to the orphans. It leads us to the widows. It leads us to the prisons. It leads us to the addicts. It leads us to the alcoholics. It leads us eventually to the cross. And in the end, it leads us to a new heaven and a new earth. Where you Come follow Jesus. We have to move from sitting and listening to going and telling. And that's the difficult shift for most churches in our culture. It's just a challenge. Because our religious context says... You're fine. Just find you a good religious building on Sunday mornings and go and enjoy the music. Go and enjoy the preaching. Go enjoy all those things. And your nets and my nets get hung up on the popularity of a preacher or the atmosphere of the worship or a thousand other things that don't, that do not make disciples. And so you and I have have to ask ourselves, am I really following Jesus? So here's, here's the take-home I, I want us to take home. This is what I've been praying about all week. I want this prayer to be on our hearts. I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, disturb me. Disturb me. 
Holy Spirit, disturb this church. And when he called them to lay down their nets and to leave their families, he disturbed their life. And one rich man couldn't take it. He said, I'll follow you. What do I need to do? Well, just sell it all and come on. No, I can't be that disturbed. I want our prayer. I want us to take home this prayer. God, Holy Spirit, disturb me inside. Don't let me sit around being comfortable in my mental consent of what I believe is Christianity. Disturb me to be a follower and a disciple like Jesus called the first ones to be. And it'll become a drop net moment in your life. And then, disciple your people. Let's be learners. Let's be willing to learn and follow the way these guys learned and followed. Ordinary guys doing ordinary things in life. Impacted by the creator of the universe to do extraordinary things. For the kingdom of God. Even to the point that they tie your hands together and they walk you out there and they turn you upside down and they nail you to a cross. You mean follow that? Yeah, keep following Jesus' answer. Yeah, follow me. Follow me. It's a little bit challenging, isn't it? I mean, when I think back about my own life, I think, okay. It just sometimes feels like I'm trying to follow in the most comfortable way possible. And maybe that's my problem. Maybe I need disturbed. And I know some of you are out there saying, Mike, you are disturbed. Uh, I get it. I get it. I get it. But as a church, that, this is why this challenge is to us. The words of Jesus ring in our ears and into our hearts. Follow me. Father, we love you. Whew, your word challenges us. The message of Jesus, the good news, he desires to reign in men's hearts. We want and desire him to rule our hearts, Father. Help us to turn from what we need to and to turn to the Son of God. Father, we pray that along our journey, whether those in here today are initially following or they've just been growing and struggling and need a time of reminder to deny self and take up the cross or maybe even at, we're somewhere at the very end of their life and still need to be reminded that even to the grave, your voice, the voice of your son says, follow me. We know it's only by your grace and mercy that we are your children. We do not want to be satisfied with the comfort of our culture or some man's idea of church or religion. We want to be your disciples. Bless us to learn what that is and to grow that we might be salt and light in a world that desperately needs 
to know who Jesus is. It's in his name, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that we pray. And the church said, if you want to get in on that, that's what our invitation's about. If you want to be baptized today, we can start right now. If you've been messed up in your walk, you get, get back to hearing the voice of Jesus that says, follow me. Let's stand, let's sing. If you have a need, come forth.